Welcome to the Healthy Hustlers podcast, a series of healthy conversations with inspiring hustlers. I'm your host, Madeline Carafa. I'm so glad that you are here for today's episode because this conversation is definitely one you do not want to miss. An extremely successful businesswoman, talented DJ and podcaster, Flex Mami is a beautiful soul behind Reflex the Game, Flex Factory, and most recently, the winner of ePeople's Choice Awards, Australia's Social Star of 2020, just to name a few things. Not only is Flex incredibly driven and passionate about her work, she's also a positive influence and huge inspiration for women in business. This healthy conversation shines a light on the hardworking and go-getter that Flex is. Chatting with me about her mindset and approach to where she is today, how she views and uses self-care to better herself, her motivation and drive behind Reflex, a card game for critical thinking that she created to encourage deeper conversations and so much more. I absolutely loved this chat with Flex and I have no doubt you will too. Here's Flex. Mornings are full of opportunities to brighten the day and how they are spent sets the tone for the remainder of the day. Belveda's Australian-made bakes and coconut bites are designed to brighten the morning. A proud sponsor of today's episode, Belveda bakes and coconut bites are as delicious as they are wholesome. Hello Flex and welcome to the Healthy Hustlers podcast. How are you today? Really good, thanks. How are you? I'm really well. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm super excited to chat to you. Um, How's your week been so far? It's been hot. We're going through a heat wave at the moment. So that's that's where I'm at. I didn't think I was impacted by it until I walked around my house after going through the heat wave and saw that all of my candles had melted. They were stuck to their surfaces. Like all this really weird, spooky, stranger things, things happening. And I was like, well, that's weird. (laughs) So that feels like the most eventful thing to have happened or the most memorable. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's crazy. Your candles melting. That is definitely hot. I thought Mm -hmm. we were getting hot, but um, yeah, there's no candles melting here. So (laughs) we must, we mustn't be that hot just yet. Your time will come. <laughs> I know, I know. I feel like it's um, it's definitely warming up here. We put the air conditioner on in my daughter's room for the first time ever last night. I was like, oh my goodness, is this a sign of what's to come? It's crazy to think we're like one extreme to the other. Truly. Um, yeah, but look, I start most conversations in the same way and I guess it's more just based on the nature of this year and everything that has been happening. I feel like self-care is just such an important tool that we we all need to be incorporating this year. So have you got a self-care practice that I guess is helping you feel mentally or physically abundant this year? I kind of like integrate self-care into just living and being and making sure that feeling good is my number one priority. But I would say the thing that helps me the most is prioritizing sleep. I don't know about you, but all of the entrepreneurs I know, people who are striving for success, financial freedom, what say you, all run on empty for fun. (laughs) Well, not for fun, but as if they're being paid to do it. And suddenly we're, you know, not prioritizing the thing that makes sure that our body functions in the best way possible. So sleep, like I get my eight, nine, 10 hours <laughs> and I make sure it's prioritized and I'm a, I'm a catcher up So if I'm like, oh, I only had six, you know, yesterday, we're gonna have an extra two tomorrow. So it really helps. Aside from that, everything else is 
replaceable and interchangeable. Like sometimes I meditate, which is more good for a spiritual practice for me, not necessarily like a, a stress one. I spend a lot of time doing leisurely things, like trying to prioritize leisure. And that might be making something, getting a massage, watching YouTube for five hours. But if I don't do those things, even in the thick of stress or other pressing priorities, then I'm going to feel more exhausted than otherwise. I love that you prioritize sleep. I think it is such a key component to our overall health. The society we live in, it's almost like we wear busy as a badge of honor. So Mm. I think getting that sleep is just so underrated sometimes. So I'm so glad that you are all about that. It's obviously why you're able to perform at your best day in, day out. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Now we both know, we all know that 2020 has been quite the year for all of us. Lots of crazy new experiences and things we've gone through. Have your thoughts or views on the world changed at all after what we've gone through this year? Absolutely. It's been a huge shift in priorities. I'd say what I struggled with the most is, you know, when it was around March time and it was becoming very evident to us that this wasn't just a disease that was happening in China, it was impacting the whole world at very extreme rates. And so, I wanted to take it seriously, but then found that like the people that I was working with, the clients were like, no, 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 business as usual. Like, you know, we've still got ad spend. We still have things to do. Like we've got to get this in. I'm like, do you not realize what's happening? (laughs) Like, why must I feel absolutely institutionally insane for trying to prioritize not only just health, but like staying alive (laughs) and Mm, like people can't like pause just for a second and not in a way I mean it's one thing for someone to make adjustments for you if you're going through a personal issue I get that that's not everybody's problem if you're having you know a mental breakdown or you're feeling anxious but we were going through a global pandemic uh, the first for all of us or most of us in our lifetime And it was like business as usual. And that really, really frustrated me because there's nothing I hate feeling more than a statistic (laughs) Mm, (laughs) or expendable or disposable or like somebody whose needs come secondary to like a corporation. (laughs) So that really frustrated me. And it reminded me of all those moments up until that point where I had put aside or deprioritized things that I needed for work. And in this one time that you'd assume that the same would be done, it just wasn't happening. So that was, that was enlightening. And then I think that something about how I thought of human connection, you know, I'm someone who is naturally quite extroverted in the sense that it's very easy for me to connect with people or to make people feel like we're connecting. I don't have awkward moments. I don't struggle with having, with conflict resolution. These are all very easy things, but I really cherished like not being near people and not feeling obligated to do the social thing, which I found really interesting. There was something so affirming about just being on my own or being entitled to being on my own because I physically couldn't see people. Pretty powerful. I loved it a lot. And also like in a very nihilistic way, so much of how I govern my life is feeling like I'm in control and not as though 
other outward things don't impact me, but feeling as though I'm doing the right things to move in the right direction to make sure the outcome matches my intention and all those things. And then a global pandemic happened and you don't have any control and you can't do what you want, even (laughs) if you wanted to. And that in itself was like, whoa, this control thing was such an illusion. Like I never really had control. Mm. I would just so happen to be living in a time where the world was working in my favor and I was just a beneficiary of that system. But then having this experience where it's like, oh, you had plans, but those plans don't matter because, you know, people are dying. I was like, whoa, okay. So it just kind of made me maybe not easygoing because that's not the word, but just more open (laughs) to possibility and surrender and not kind of like pausing my life in anticipation for when things go back to normal. So people were like, oh, you know, I had plans. Like, you know, the friends that um, I was planning to go to Coachella with again, you know, they were like, oh, now we can't do anything. I'm like, we'll just go, you know, local. We'll go to like Broken Hill and then we'll go to Tasmania. That's fun, you know. That's where my head was at. Like this is not the worst thing that could happen. We're still alive. (laughs) Absolutely. It's so true. And I really liked what you said about like control being an illusion because that Mm. was such a massive realization for me at the start of this year is like, oh my goodness, like we have always thought that we're in control and we're not. Like there is only so much that we actually do have control of it. And a lot of it comes down to the way we feel and the way we perceive things and, you know, the control of our mind almost. So I think that that's kind of been a big realization for a lot of people, isn't it? Of like, okay, almost let's get back to basics and control what we can and Mm -hmm. feel really good there. Do you have, I guess, any like non-negotiables or any daily practices in order to keep you feeling really positive and healthy? It's a weird way to phrase it, but every day I have to do something for myself, by myself, because I want to. And that sounds like a weird thing for a lot of people because it's just not a priority. Like we do things all day. Why do you want to do another thing? But I feel like, especially in my kind of industry, so much of what I do on a day-to-day is facilitating somebody else answering somebody else's advice questions, creating content for someone, monetizing something for someone, being available for someone. And then it gets to the end of the day. And I feel like I just can't have one moment just for me to do what I want because I can on my own time. And so I'm really good at pausing if I really need to, to be like, you know what, this thing is due, but I actually haven't done anything for me and I'm not a vessel for somebody else. So I just pause and cause I know I have the capacity to like go, 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 and then go some more. It's really important for me to like stop before I've gone too far. And because I don't know what that point is, I just make sure every day I'm just making moves <laughs> that benefit me personally. And it could be something so simple. Like yesterday, there were tons of things I had to do, but then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to read a tarot card for an hour and just meditate on that for a sec. Or other days I'd be like, you know what? I don't, shouldn't be shopping, but I'm going to online shop for an hour just because it's inconsequential (laughs) and I'm going to do it because I can. (laughs) And something about reclaiming, yeah, that sense of control or power or just direction over your own life keeps you or keeps me very grounded. So I know that even if I'm living an existence that is um, to facilitate others at this very moment, I can still find moments within a day to do things for me. 
I seriously love that so much. That is like so powerful and and such a beautiful awareness on your end. I think having that go, go, go mentality, you can get really trapped very easily in that go, go, go. So for Mm. you to have that awareness that you can do that, but you still need to give back to yourself is so amazing. So I took a lot from that. Um, you know, you are, you've touched on your business a little bit, but you're an incredibly successful businesswoman, which I've loved following, um, along your journey. You're just such an inspiration. I'd love to get your elevator pitch or what you would give someone your kind of like few minutes spiel when they ask you what you do. I've definitely found this <laughs> super hard when, since I've been in the podcast space and people are like, Oh, what do you do? I'm like, uh, um, I don't know. <laughs> How do I explain this? So <laughs> how do you explain yourself? <laughs> well, It's tricky because before I used to give the whole spiel and there's no situation where that doesn't sound like you're gloating. And obviously it doesn't matter to most people. So I definitely change what I do based on who's uh, who I'm speaking to. So for context, the whole spiel is I'm a DJ, TV presenter, podcaster, business owner, and influencer. And then we could add model, writer, author, but these things, like, it just gets too much. And suddenly it's like, okay, we get it. You do things. So if I'm meeting someone who isn't in the media space and doesn't need the context, then I'll just say, I'm a TV presenter. And then they can kind of fill in the blanks. And if I'm meeting someone who might know me from the music lens, then I'll say, I'm a DJ and just pause it there. It doesn't matter anyway. I find that people are only asking for a little bit of context, but they rarely actually care. And then it's things like this when somebody is listening with the intent to understand me as a whole concept, and then it's fair to give them every single slash vertical job title, all those things. Yeah, I love that take. It's um yeah, it's really interesting. I think for me personally coming from like, you know, a corporate marketing background where it's like, what do you do? Oh, I'm a marketing manager. Oh, I'm an events manager. Like it was so simple, easy, no one asks any more questions. And whether mm. now I guess entering more the podcast space and I like a lot of people don't even know what a podcast is, let's be honest. So it's something quite interesting and I, I found a lot more interest now in asking people what they actually do and, and how they got to that space because I think in this day and age, like, you know, we are moving away from those traditional roles and people are really going out and creating their own job titles and their own their own job descriptions and their own careers, which is so awesome to see. So mm. I think it's, um yeah, it's definitely, that's why I like to throw that question in there. <laughs> it's a good one. I like knowing how people did what they do, not necessarily what they do. Like, how did you do that? Yeah. And well, I guess that for you, like what led you to being into TV and DJing in the first place? I don't know. It was not something that I ever wanted to do in actuality. It was more so like um, I was working in PR. Well, even backtrack because like in high school, I guess I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I just absorbed what people told me I should do. So they were like, you really like discussion and argument. So you should be a lawyer. You love debate. And I was like, I'm not that (laughs) smart. And then um, everyone's like, you really like fashion. You should work in fashion design. And I'm like, oh, okay. So then when I finished high school, I enrolled in fashion business college and then dropped out because it was useless to me after like a couple of weeks. Then I studied PR for a couple, I don't know, of months maybe, and then dropped out. And then I was working in PR because I just got a job from interning. And then 
from that job, I was there for a few years and then moved to a different agency doing PR and then social media management. And those industries are tricky (laughs) because I had no idea what they would be like before I worked in them. And I think I had the illusion of what I thought it would be like from TV. So I remember I used to watch this show called The Hills and it was this reality TV show about these girls who worked in PR in like New York and LA and they were like cool, fun, dressed well, like their life was one big party. (laughs) And I was like, I want to do that. (laughs) And then, so I enrolled in the course and it wasn't that at all. And I, I did the job and it wasn't that at all. And so I thought, and it was like a tricky thing because I gave that job so much, like in the job at 8 a.m., maybe leaving at 8 p.m., doing work when I got home, going above and beyond, just overexerting, and then not being able to take credit for things, feeling as though I wasn't being validated. And I just thought I was giving too much. I was like, sis, you need a hobby. Like no one should be this involved in their job. Get a hobby. Get something that gives you purpose outside of feeling like, I don't know, outside of feeling like a workhorse. So I remember I was only like 18 or 19 at the time. And I was like, I just should like do young people things. I should just go out like clubbing more, you know, like just enjoy those (laughs) things. So I did, but I wasn't drinking. Like I don't drink alcohol. So that got boring very quickly being in that environment and not getting loose. So I remember meeting these guys who ran this club night and then became friends with them, was doing PR for their club night. And then eventually they were talking about how they wanted DJs for the event. And I was like, I'll do it. And they're like, you don't know how to DJ. And I was like, I'll teach myself. So I taught myself online, like using YouTube and like apps and things. And then they taught me using equipment and that's how I became a DJ. The TV presenter thing was really vague. I was like, I felt invincible because I went from like this full-time office person to this full-time DJ. And I was like, why is this so easy? (laughs) It was really at that point, just as simple as saying I was a DJ, being somebody who dressed quite extravagantly. I didn't even have a social profile, but I guess at that time, like eight years ago, word of mouth was a bigger deal than having a social profile. So I was just known as the girl who like dressed well and went out. So it was so easy to get gigs because people were like, well, you have friends and your friends will come to what you host and you look good. So we'll just book you. But in like six months, it was like 30 hours of DJing a week. And so the MTV presenter thing, that was my first TV presenter role. And that only happened because they had reached out to me to do like an it girl profile piece. And uh, a freelance producer was organizing that. And then uh, they quit before the piece even went to air. So nothing ever happened with that. But I asked for a contact for someone who worked at MTV and then said, I want to be a TV presenter. Do you have any roles? And then they were like, yeah, do you have a showreel? And I was like, yes, but I didn't have one. And so I said, the showreel is coming. (laughs) And they said, okay, cool. Come in for a screen test. And then I went in for a screen test and I was obviously horrible because TV presenting is not an easy job at all. It's very difficult to recite lines. It's difficult to look animated. It's difficult to speak at length. And these are all things that you learn eventually. And some people have it naturally, but they just needed someone who had a musical expertise, I guess. And because I was a DJ, that just fit the narrative. It was like, great, like you are a DJ, so you must know music and pop culture. And though I did, I didn't know it to the extent that maybe I was perceived to know it as. And so that's how that worked out. And then everything else was just 
it was a mix of a ton of things. It was actually having certain skills that allowed me the space to be there. It was asking and making myself available. It was upskilling. And it was also people projecting onto me that I was a person who was capable. So like being allowed to be a music TV presenter because I was a DJ. But then it's like, you don't even know that I have any knowledge. You just assumed or being able to do radio because people are like, you're charismatic. You'll be fine doing radio. That's fine. Or podcasting or anything. (laughs) It's just, um, I don't know, just wanting to do things and then doing them. It is so cool though. I love, like I took a lot from when you said that you just like dress like a DJ and extroverted and, and so on and you kind of fit the bill. And I think back to that almost as a way of like really embodying what we want to be and it just shines so much confidence that people just automatically be like, oh yeah, of course you do that or of course you can fit that bill. So I love that. I think just owning what where you want to be and what you want to have has so much power to it. Absolutely. And it helps if you... Uh, I'm not a fan of blind confidence or fake it until you make it. I'm more like fake it, work really hard at it, and then you'll make it. So for instance, like I said, I was a DJ when I had one gig. That's not a DJ, babes. You just played a set, (laughs) but I was actively working so hard at it and I was practicing all the time and I was making mixes and being the TV presenter. Like it could have been so easy to be like, I just work for MTV, but no, I was pitching and placing myself at different networks and making my own content and building my own profile. So it is like this marriage of like ego, adolescent confidence, um, and upskilling, (laughs) But that just shows your like true hustle, you know, to know that you can, like you want something, you know, you need to work hard for it. And so it's like putting all, all the pieces of the, of the puzzle together to kind of like, you know, show up as the best version of you. That's, I reckon it's awesome. I love, I loved hearing all of that. I guess with everything that you, you have achieved, what would you say has been one of the biggest achievements or have you had kind of like a, any of those real wow moments? Like this is actually my life. <laughs> It's tricky because everything gets normalized, right? Similar to like your happiness set point. Even if you have the highs of highs and the lowest of lows, there's always a set point you come back to that's your new normal. That was kind of like career for me. I feel like that big jump, the first jump from working in the office to being a full-time DJ, that was absurd. It just gave me such a high. I'm like, well, what else can I do? Mm. (laughs) Like what other options are there? So that was the first thing that really just... It made me look at everything so differently. Suddenly I felt like I had so much access, whereas before that point I felt as though I was doomed to become just a product of circumstance and I should have just been grateful for whatever because, you know, having a job is a huge feat anyway, so why do you want more than that, you know? So that was huge. I would say it would have to be a tie, right? (laughs) So the second one would have to be either – like in a really superficial way, having the income to like live alone in a lovely house and to travel to certain places and to buy the things I like. These are all quite superficial, but I didn't have that growing up and I didn't think I would have that. So being in a position where I feel as though I can really masterfully create opportunities to lead me to certain outcomes. Like, oh, I want to go on a holiday and I know I can make that money if I do these things. Like that feels very empowering to me. Whereas I know a lot of my friends feel very trapped by their circumstance. Like I can't take a holiday. I can't make enough money or I can't ask for annual leave and all these things. 
So that's one. And then, um, no, I'd say those two. Those two feel right to me because it's, I don't know, it all goes back to this sense of like feeling like an active participant in my own life and feeling as though I do have some sort of free will and some sort of decision. Like I get a shot. I get a chance to do things the way that I want to and I'm not bound by my circumstance. And that feels really cool to me. We'll be right back after this healthy break. Mornings are full of opportunities to brighten the day and how they are spent sets a tone for the remainder of the day. Introducing Belveda's Australian-made Bakes and Coconut Bites, designed to brighten the morning. Made with wholesome seeds and grains, Belveda Bakes use delicious ingredients and great flavours to offer a better-for-you snack option that's both tasty and convenient. Created for on-the-go moments, Belveda Bakes are the perfect morning snack for everyday hustlers who don't want their busy lifestyle to be a compromise for their health and well-being. With less than 6 grams of sugar per bar, Velveeta Bakes are available in three unique flavours to suit all tastes, including dark choc, fig and pear, and my favourite, raspberry vanilla bean. While Velveeta Coconut Bites make the perfect adult lunchbox addition. Brighten your morning with Velveeta Bakes and Coconut Bites. I reckon it's so cool. Like, it's such an amazing, and like you said, so many people are kind of so tired by their situation. So it's so amazing that you are so grateful for the fact that you do have that bit of freedom and you can kind of live on your own terms in in those ways. Mm. When you said that initial step from the PR world to being a DJ and you really felt almost like unstoppable and what more can you do? It really resonated a lot with me because I think, you know, when I stepped into actually doing the podcast, it was that realization of like, holy crap, like I can do cool things that I really want to do. And you automatically like want to share that and help other people, inspire other people to do the same. But I think, you know, when I reflect back to years before that, there was this huge barrier of fear for me to really be able to kind of step into what I wanted to do. Did you ever find fear a barrier for you? And do you have any tips, I guess, for anyone who is listening that is in that situation where they they want to be doing something that they love, but they're feeling quite paralyzed by fear? Fear is not really my emotion, but not that it's not my emotion, but not in like a career sense. I would say Um, the thing that really trapped me in my circumstance earlier on was not having vision or visibility over the possibilities of what could be done. So like I already thought that I was doing more than anticipated by even having that job because like when I finished high school, I barely passed. (laughs) Like I got like a 50, 55%. So I was just like, this is even having this job is wild. I I dropped out twice and now I got this really cool job in PR. (laughs) This is wild. So for me, I capped my ability to succeed at quite a small level, given the circumstances that were affirming that, like who just gets to drop out and get a really good job, you know? So the best way to explain this was that if I didn't become a DJ, I wouldn't have this outlook on life. And it wasn't because I was fearful. I just didn't know it was possible. Like looking around at like my closest friends, people in my city, people in Australia, there aren't a lot of stories of people doing extraordinary things by their own standards. We kind of just do what we should do. And then that's what gets done. (laughs) So I understand when people are kind of like, I don't know how to do this big thing because you've not had any clear direction on what that looks like. But 
The thing that really helps me moving forward with having big ideas and helping them come to fruition, acknowledging that like I've got privilege and I've got like a leg to stand on that I'm already in this industry, but it's understanding. Like I hear people every day come to me and say like, I really want to start a podcast. Do you have any tips? I'm like, what have you done so far? And they were like, nothing. I'm like, yeah, but what's the idea? What's the concept? Is it going to be a seasonal thing? Do you want to record it in your own space? Do you want to go to a studio? Do you want to have it backed by someone? Do you want to be on a podcast network? And it's crickets. That's the great equalizer. It's the fact that if you want to do something, we're already limited by the fact that most of us can't do things, whether it be because of our gender, our race, our socioeconomic status, all these things are so limiting that the least you could do is develop a really great insight for what you're trying to do and how you're going to achieve it. Because mm. otherwise you're just, you're, you're shooting in the dark. Like being directionless is your demise. And I always say like, for example, if someone's like, I want to do a podcast, I'm like, I want you to think about all of these things and then let's have a conversation. Cause at least at the very least you have a more clear idea of what it's going to take. And if you're even interested rather than bringing me along for this wild goose chase and then figuring out like, ah, oh, it's not really for me. So it's like Googles do all of the Googles, like try and become as knowledgeable as you can about the topic before you've done it. And that's not to say to wait, cause I'm like a, a very impatient person. So if I need to be up for 12 hours, Googling my next big idea and then doing it the next day, I'm going to do that. <laughs> so however long it takes you to feel a little bit more comfortable and well-versed and educated about this thing and then go do it because there's nothing worse than somebody trying to extract information from you when they've not done any of the work themselves. Something about it just rubs me the wrong way. I'm like, I want to help you so much, but if you, if I say microphone and you say, huh, if I say (laughs) concept and you say what, if I say, um, you know, promotion channels and you're like, I don't know what you're saying, then we can't have a conversation. And then it's very frustrating for both of us. So just do a little bit of research to inform you. And then you'll be like, you'll be way more equipped with like actual real confidence that it's possible because you've taken it out of the hypothetical and into like the practical and suddenly it's making more sense. I think that is incredible advice. And it's so true because I think especially in the day and age of a digital world that we live in now, things can be glamorized very easily. Mm. You know, we can look at other things and think, oh my goodness, what a cool job. Like that would be so much fun. And I was so guilty of doing that in the past of like, you know, thinking that certain jobs or a job title would bring me so much more joy or happiness or would be filled with like all fun activities. When at the end of the day, a job regardless of what you're doing, Mm -hmm. it's still a job, you know, like us doing podcasts, like we still need to invoice and chase clients, you know, like you're still doing all the nitty gritty stuff that, um, and setting up the podcast. And it's just so funny because I'm like, nothing is ever what it actually seems. And so I think doing that research and really knowing why you want to do something like what is the message you want to be sharing like what is a concept that you have because at the end of the day that's what you're going to keep coming back to you know that's what's going to keep you going through the harder times or the times where there might not be any sponsorship or guests are harder to get or whatever it may be just using podcast still as mm. an example but it's like having that you know knowing why you're doing something and being so passionate about it is what kind of keeps you going so i think that is such good advice absolutely um, I also loved what you touched on about um, your first job being like such a wow moment because of, you know, the enter score and stuff. And 
It definitely resonated with me because I was not one bit academic at all. Like I <laughs> sucked at school. I sucked at school so bad. And like, I think that's now why I'm just like so passionate to encourage people that like, you know, and I think about it a lot with my daughter. She's 15 months now, mm. but I often think like, how am I going to always show her that like, your dreams are never too big. Like if you have an idea, like we can literally achieve whatever we want. Like it's not capped. Whether I think we grew up in a time where our parents had jobs that they sat in for their whole life and so on. And it's like, we're almost a bit accustomed to thinking that, oh, I've got a career, so I've got to stay in this. So it's an interesting topic for me. For me, So I really took a lot from what you were saying there. And just, I guess, showing her the skies are blue, you can kind of achieve whatever you like. <laughs> Especially now, like I totally take into consideration all of those intangible things that are going to obstruct us from doing what we want to. Like we can't help that we're not men. We can't help that we weren't born um, into rich families and we don't benefit from nepotism. We can't help that we were born um, in Australia and not like in America where it's like there's more people, more opportunity. These are all factual things that we have known and will continue to know. So within the scope of what we do have to work from and ideas we can see through to fruition, what are we going to do there? And that just becomes a far more practical like conversation. Now, I want to chat a little bit about your card game, mm. Reflex, because I got it in the mail yesterday. Thank you so much. <laughs> and I um, I was saying to you before we hit record, I played it with my husband last night. Well, I asked him all the questions. He didn't get to, he was cooking dinner and I'm like, okay, here I go. <laughs> next question. <laughs> um, next question. And oh my goodness, it was so much fun. I just loved being able to get those. It's funny, like we've been together 10 years and still like being able to ask him some of those questions. I'm like, oh, oh my God, this is awesome. Like I love hearing the way that you're thinking on mm-hmm. the spot with this, these sort of questions. Where did the idea come from for the card game? It kind of started with my podcast, Bobo and Flex. So it's me and a now friend and we just have conversations about stuff. And so whether it's like philosophy or psychology, dating, sex, race, whatever, we're constantly talking. And the thing about Bobo is – I had only spoken to her once, like had a one long form conversation with her before we even made the podcast. And so a lot of those formative episodes were us actually getting to know each other, what we thought, why we thought it, and just digging deep and deep and deep and deep and deep. And we liked that kind of format because it was perceived because we were both two black women who liked fashion and had an Instagram that we would be similar people. And it was nice just to like, I don't know, quell that illusion and to be like, no, we're not the same at all. Like we think different things. We're not even from the same country. We live on different continents. Like we're not alike. And having both of us rationalize and justify what we thought was so exciting to me. But basically as we built our like audience, uh, people would ask us like, how do you do that? Like, how do you just have interesting flowing conversations where you're learning new things and you're laughing, but it's deep, but it's whatever. And I was like, you just ask questions. Like, You just do it. And it didn't click to me how condescending that was because it it is an interest of mine to learn about people. I like phenomenology. I like anthropology. I like sociology. So it's quite natural to me after years of practicing on my friends, right? But to people who are just introducing themselves to this idea of deeper conversations, 
that's not a very nice thing to hear that you should just know how to ask questions. So what I did was in my notes app, I wrote down a few questions that people could just ask people, you know, very simple. And I told my audience that if you wanted, just DM me on Instagram and I'll just send you this list of questions. No biggie. Right. And then hundreds of people DM me and then it became a chore. (laughs) And I thought, you know what? I've put it out there. I can send these people questions. It'll be fine. And then a couple of weeks go by and then people, a new flood of people come in and they're like, hey, I want questions. So I send them the same questions and they said, no, no, I already have those questions. I want more questions. I was like, hold up. Like, I don't even know you like that. I'm already going above and beyond facilitating this discussion. No, thank you. Nothing. And you're coming here for more questions. Leave me alone. So, and I have a a real love-hate relationship with the kind of role I have on the internet being this influencer. Although I love the fact that it's awarded me so many great opportunities. Like it's done so many amazing things for me, but this constant, I don't know, feeling like I'm at the beck and call of a hundred thousand strangers is very frustrating to me, especially Mm -hmm. because I'm somebody who, um, like I do what I want, you know, I do what I want, what I want. Why am I at the beck and call of you, a random stranger, but alas. So I was externalizing this idea, uh, this issue to my best friend. And I was like, you know, it'd be so nice if the, if the exchange was mutual, like I have to sit here, think of questions, give it to you, be kind, be empathetic. And I don't really get anything from this. Like I would love for somebody <laughs> to invest in me what I'm investing in them. And then she was like, okay, like, what do you want from them? I'm like, I don't want anything. <laughs> and she's like, well, that's the point. Like you don't want anything and they're extracting. So figure out what you want. And I remember like, I've always run little businesses growing up. I've always been a little entrepreneur. So whether it's been a little jewelry business or this or that. So I was like, look, I would really want to, like, I'd like to get back into product. Like I've got an audience base now. I've got not necessarily more time, but I've got way more skills and just a better understanding of the landscape. And I could do this. I was like, I'll just make, I'll just make it a product. And she was like, you know what product? And I was like, I don't know. Like, could it be a digital thing? Could it be an app? Could it be a this? And I was like, let's simplify it. I don't want to overinvest into this thing that's just an idea. So let's just make a, a little card game. I'll get my friend to help me design it. I'll get it printed at a printer. We'll make a couple hundred. I'll sell them on my Instagram. And then if people want questions, I can just direct them here. And then so I released them and sold out in a day. So it became this like weird thing of like, I didn't even know I was doing this. It was just like a, I wanted people to stop asking me for things. (laughs) And then now I have a business. Oh my goodness, that is such a cool story. I love that. And it's seriously, it's so much fun. And they're so bright and colorful and engaging. It's awesome. You should be so proud of what you've created. Was there a challenging part in creating that as a product? Like, were there any moments where you're like, oh my goodness, what have I got myself into? Or was it quite a free flowing project? When I initially conceptualized making it a card game it wasn't something that was built to last like I wasn't making it with the intent of sustaining a card game business so there are a lot of things I didn't think about like running it as a legitimate business making sure the money was separate when was I going to find time to ship out hundreds of orders I've got work to do like I'm in another country I can't do this so suddenly it became the logistics of it was really difficult and 
that's a huge part of the business. If you can't physically functionally like make the business run, what do you do? And so it got to the point where I was like, I just want Solomon anymore. Like it was a fun activity, but like, I don't want to do this. Like I don't have time. And then my best friend was like, I can help you. Like I can do the logistics. I can pack the orders. We can run the website. Like it can be a thing. And I was like, mm, sounds too hard. And not that it's too hard on its own, but all of these things, having the two podcasts, being a DJ, doing TV stuff, it just felt like a lot of work. And I was like, I don't want to do more work. It, it doesn't need to happen. So that was really difficult. Just surrendering to the fact that you've made a really good idea and now you should see it through because it's, it is beneficial and it is worth the effort that you're putting in. And if you just do this, these foundational things, everything will become a lot easier for you. So that was quite difficult. The second thing was the design of the cards. When I first made them, I wasn't thinking about how the product should look to a consumer who doesn't know me. So I was just like, I'll make these cool cards, put my face on it. I'll have some questions. It's funny. I wasn't thinking about accessibility for a consumer who didn't want my face on their card games. Or even (laughs) the fact that the initial design was a pink card for the first game, a pink card that had white writing um, and it was underpinned by a blue rectangle but it was hard to read in the dark and I was like oh my god I never thought of all these things and then packaging solutions because we had the initial cards put in kind of like a ziplock aluminium bag and that was cute but that's not that's not fun that's not keeping your product secure that's just like flimsy it's another thing about packaging solutions so nothing was ever too difficult but just the Scaling a business in any sense is always a little bit tiresome because you're not preparing to do it initially. So it feels like you're over-resourcing. And to this day, I've changed the packaging like four times. Like it's constantly, we're just like reinventing and reinvigorating because it can always be better. And I'm like, why can't we just change it? Why don't we just do this? And then it's just, it's a lot, but (laughs) we're getting there. Oh, well, it's so worth it, I think, because it is so much fun. And like I said to you before we got started, I'm going to take it to my girls' Christmas um, and make it the the starting conversations that everyone has to pick a card and ask someone a question for the start of the day. Oh, my gosh, that's Um, Because I think it's just... Yeah, like when I, when I got them and I went through the questions, I'm like, you know, I am really lucky that my group of girlfriends are quite deep you know we all talk Mm. spirituality like you know we're very open and we do have super deep conversations which I love and I cherish so much but you know like any friendships or I guess when life's busy a lot of us have kids and stuff now like you can get stuck in just those average questions of how Mm. are you how's work blah 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 And, and although like you know I love that people care so much about my job and and ask me how it's going it's something that I think about all day, every day. Mm. Like I'm constantly thinking about work and things I need to do. So when I'm actually with friends or in social situations, I actually don't like being asked and that, and that's mm. nothing against anyone else. Cause I know they're just doing the right thing and showing interest, but it's more just like, Oh, I just need to not think about work for, for the hour while I'm here. So as soon as I got your cards, I was like, Oh my goodness, this is the perfect game to take to girls Christmas and to just be able to get those yeah conversations. And I, I just love hearing people's, I think I, that's why I love the podcast is because I love hearing people's views and thoughts and opinions on things. I think we, there's so much, we can always be learning and growing from hearing other people's thoughts Mm. just like I have from hearing all of yours today it changes everything that's been the most 
the most illuminating thing about this game is that very rarely does it matter what somebody answers. It's how they answer it, why they think that way. Are they open to changing their mind? How strongly do they feel about it? That's what I find to be so interesting because there are some people who I might encounter who I think are quite shallow, but in the nicest way possible, like don't really like to think deeply, are quite happy with just having a laugh and being superficial. And you need those people, you need light and shade. But then seeing them in a different light, seeing them having to justify what they like and why they like it and what they think, I'm like, whoa, there's so much there. Or some people that you forget to humanize. Like I remember for the longest time, I could not humanize my mum. I just couldn't see her as anybody but my mum. <laughs> and so even mm. bringing in some opportunities to be like, wait, why do you think this way? And what do you think? Like, who are you outside of this person and this title and this role? And it just creates so much context. It's like, oh yeah, like you have certain qualities because you're my mum, but outside of this context, like this is how you would behave and this is what you would think. And this is why you think it powerful stuff super interesting yeah it's so powerful and that what you just said about your mum like that is like such an awesome way to start thinking about someone on another level because I resonate with that I guess when I became a mum myself Mm. you know all the things that I'm like oh I still do this and I still want to do that and I still feel this and I'm like oh my mum went through all of this like she was her own person before she had me and it was Mm. like this whole new discovery and understanding of my mum and and the way she is the way she is or has different thoughts and opinions on things and I think it's quite a beautiful discovery especially with someone that you're really close with is to being like yeah like you're saying stripping that title away and and finding out a little bit more about them in depth is a really beautiful thing to do. 100%. Flex, thank you so much for joining me today. I've absolutely loved chatting to you. Um, So much wisdom and I'm just, yeah, in awe of all of your success and everything that you're doing. So thank you for being such a light in this world and, and shining so bright. My pleasure. It's been so lovely. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a five star review. For any products mentioned in today's show, please check the show notes below and hit the direct links. If you'd like to suggest a future guest, please follow at The Healthy Hustlers on Instagram and send through a direct message. Until next week, don't forget to invest in you.